0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of Syncing with Service Now. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I've got, uh, well, I'm just going to say it because I just made, I just kind of picked on a little. I got Kristen and two knuckleheads. Hey, guys. (laughs) No, so Kristen uh, McDonald's with us. Kristen is hanging out down in Texas, this family stuff where she's handling, taking care of business and working at the same time. Kristen, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. So Kristen's uh, multitasking and uh, prepared for today, and we're going to talk through some, some ServiceNow innovation trends with her, and then we're going to have uh, Fred and Derek, Fred Reynolds, who runs our Modern Apps practice. Fred, how's it going? Wonderful. How are you guys doing today? Good. I just uh, I just alluded to you or gave you the visual of you being the OGBYN of ServiceNow at Zintegra. How's that make you feel? Yeah, a little odd, but that's okay. You know, I just got called a knucklehead too, and I'm supposed to run
2: the practice. So, you know, it's okay. We're starting off on a great foot. I'm excited a, and happy. you're
0: day. you're a very uh well-prepared uh OGBYN knucklehead birthing our service now practice, which it's about a year a year and a half old now. So it's it's uh it's coming. It's it, it it's here and uh you guys are doing a good job leading that.
2: I feel like we're having lots of babies. I'll just say it like that. i going to keep with your analogy.
0: A lot of babies. I'm going to come back to that in a second. Uh, Derek, <laughs> is with us. Derek is in the middle of birthing our Salesforce, our Salesforce practice, but he's also involved in the Modern Apps practice, which was foundationally started around ServiceNow. Derek, you uh, picking up on any of the ServiceNow stuff?
3: Yeah, I am actually picking up a little bit. I mean, I'm a little dangerous because I got myself a developer instance of ServiceNow, and I'm starting to play around with some stuff. So Thanks. pretty interesting.
0: Oh, I've, I told. Go ahead.
3: Go ahead. Oh, go ahead.
0: I told Fred forever, and I've been telling you that I think you your your legacy, your lineage, is actually on integration stuff around ServiceNow. You just happen to go to Salesforce and pick up a passion around that too. So you're you're kind of a a, a dangerous secret weapon. Uh, we're so, gonna it's gonna be fun to watch.
3: Yeah, I kind of look at it like you know Windows and Mac. I mean, I can use whatever I whatever I have in front of me if it's getting the job done. Yeah, quite frankly. So. These these platforms are extremely impressive uh, that are out there these days, ServiceNow being one of them. So, yeah, it's, it's it's really cool stuff.
0: I saw a college quarterback scramble. He right-handed college quarterback scramble to his left over the weekend and, and throw a spiral with his left hand. Uh, that's kind of like you. For <laughs> a touchdown. There you or go. T- All right, so I'm going to do what I call the Zintegra commercial real quick. So if you're listening to this podcast and you are a ServiceNow customer and you do not feel like you're getting the value out of the partner you're currently working with and ServiceNow potentially, but the partner you're working with, reach out to us, Andy Whiteside, Fred Reynolds, Derek Cassis, Kristen McDonald, reach out to us on LinkedIn, shoot us a message. That's why we're here. That's why we do this proactively. You don't sit around and wait for you to have a need. We kind of help identify needs that are out there, trends we're going to talk about today. We try to be proactive. We try to be a real value-added reseller, integrator, managed service provider, you name it. Uh, And so that's the commercial. So off we go with doing that. So Kristen, uh, the uh, blog you brought today was from September 12th of this year uh, Mm -hmm. by a guy named Rob Palmer. So give Rob his credit. Uh, We don't want to be like chat GPT and just not give credit. So we give everybody credit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the uh, title of it is six innovation trends and what they mean for your business. Mm -hmm. Uh, I assume these are going to be service now related, but who knows? We'll find out. So uh, Kristen, why did you pick using what's in the opening paragraphs? Why did you pick this blog?
1: So I think every business is looking to expand their innovation at this moment in time. You know, we've got lots of change happening in the technology world and, and changes happening at a pace that we've never seen before. So a lot of companies are are trying to get their hands around it and identify how do I keep up with this pace of change. So this blog uh, speaks to that quite well. Yeah.
0: Um. Fred, your thoughts on pace of change being faster than ever. Kristen said that. I believe she's right. Do you believe that and why?
2: Yeah, I think that not only has the pace of change really increased several years ago, it just hasn't let up. And you would have thought that maybe change was happening and innovation was happening, but we see innovation at the next level, seems like every year, right? And, And the AI stuff's the big boom now, but either way, innovation just continues to plow forward. Some companies, some people haven't even caught up to Moving off of Excel, even onto a platform like ServiceNow, people still haven't digitized what they have. So they're never catching up in that way. So when I look at it as far as innovation and exponentially growing, I mean, it is not just what's happened in the last five years. It just has not slowed down. It seems to be increasing. Do
0: you think that's a true statement since the beginning of the industrial age? It's just now so prevalent and happening so fast you can't ignore it?
2: Could be. I believe so. I probably, probably, you know, talking to my dad and going back when he was in his prime of work, you know, 20, 30 years ago, he probably said, thought the same thing. Things are moving very fast and we keep innovating. Maybe. But these days, I'm telling you, the technology
0: is there for us to to develop quicker, faster, uh, less people. So I think we see more of it. And and I'm going to bring that same question to Derek, but I'm going to chime in this first. And if you think about what the promise of AI is, it hadn't even gotten started yet. That's true. So, Derek, do you see this happening. You see, you've, you've been on the customer side, uh, various uh, uh, vendor side. Now you're on the integrator side. Do, do you see that in not only your work world but your personal world? How fast things are changing?
3: Yeah, I mean that's the what that's the the, the main constant that we have is change in in what we do, which is kind of why I love you know being a part of this whole thing is because what I did ten years ago is totally different from what I'm going to do the next ten years. Yeah. But I also what I also see is kind of interesting in that for customers and businesses to stay relevant you've got to innovate you've got to be you, you know you've got to continue to try to be first and in order to, to get talent you've got to continue to innovate because you've got to entice those new uh talent pool coming out of college not that they want to go work for you so it's just it's it's like 2 threefold, 3 4 it just keeps continuing
0: yeah yeah, and I'm excited for you now on this side of the business because I don't think you've ever been on this side of the business where you actually get to go make it happen for people. So it's going to be fun for me to watch you do that uh, over the next over the next few years. Uh, I just had this visual. Tell, tell me if this visual makes sense to you guys. It's like one of those uh, like Tour de France bike races where throughout the course of the race there's big packs of people changing first place, second place and it just it just happens like they just keeps revolving and then all of a sudden somebody makes a big break for it and takes off and the whole pack has to chase them down. Um, to me that's kind of what it feels like except the the rate of change and the pack shuffling around just keeps getting faster and faster and everybody keeps going faster than they thought they was even possible.
2: And I think to add on to that, I think where you had a bike race of uh, 50 people, now it's 200,
0: now it's 300, right? I think the people in the race are a lot more. For sure. Uh, all right. So, uh, Kristen, uh, the first uh, section here says exponential innovation. I think we just got through talking about that, but is that a trend that you see happening and how does now play a role in that?
1: Absolutely. So, uh, again, that goes back to the pace of change and these tools just kind of building off each other to accelerate that, that pace of change. But a tool sets like ServiceNow and even Salesforce help tremendously in dealing with that pace of change, because you've got one of my favorite uh, things to share with clients is, you know, you've got an army of developers behind each of these platforms, and they are constantly improving, constantly building on the platforms, and they're always looking to the next big thing and how to incorporate that and how to incorporate it wisely so that it plays well with the other aspects of the platform so having a tool set like ServiceNow, like salesforce um, backing up your technology solutions and your services and, and products that you're offering to customers really can help you deal with that piece of change because they're right there with you building along alongside you Yep.
0: Fred your thoughts well,
2: when I, when I think about this in terms of, of service now and exponential innovation, I really think about the platform they built for the their users and their customers, right? I look at it saying if I'm a, a business unit within a company, that I've been given the ability with, with, with flow design or a way to automate some of my processes, that's innovation to them. And that's extreme considering the fact that they've done it a certain way for a while. So you take that times multiple people in that business unit or across a company. That's how I think it gets exponential because you can take a platform like this a technology and create a way for them to drag and drop a process flow that becomes all of a sudden automated. That's, that's big. Um, yeah. That could be a lot of cost reduction and that could be a lot of time savings, everything.
0: Yeah. Derek, your thoughts.
3: Yeah. I mean, this is just, this is just the way of the world, right? I mean, we've got to keep trying to figure out what the next big thing is and we, we try to, if it's not the right thing, we fail, we fail fast. We get to the next thing and then we continue on. And like, like we just said, right. AI is the thing right now. I, wasn't too long ago that what was it blockchain yeah. or nfts or right. something else and so it's well, it's exciting right i think we're it's exciting because with the whole gpt um you know stuff that's come out it's really kind of flipped this thing on its head and now there's so many new things coming out um just from that one piece of technology being uh, basically accessible to everybody so, uh, Rob, who wrote
0: this blog, uh, I don't know that he put these in order of most important, but I'm going to change number two and say it should have been number one, but I'm going to tweak it slightly. Uh, mm-hmm. Fred just mentioned or somebody did platform. So to me, number two trend is people moving to a common platform. But also realizing that there's other uh, technologies, like in this case, ServiceNow talking to Salesforce, ServiceNow talking to Citrix Cloud that are not siloed anymore, like they would have been, like a Citrix on-premises solution. Uh, ServiceNow platform, a whole bunch of stuff on the platform, plus non-siloed data architectures that can be brought into that platform uh, as it makes sense. So if, if I was going to do these in order of priority number two, which is called shared data architectures, I would actually put as number one, because once you start heading in that trend, all that other stuff can ride along behind it in a nice, comfortable place. Kristen, am I, uh, am I talking nonsense?
1: No, you're not. Not talking nonsense at all. So yes, absolutely. We see a lot of aggregation and consolidation into some of these larger uh, platform as a service type solutions, like again, ServiceNow and Salesforce. Um, A lot of companies have a huge application footprint and uh, different uh, organizations within their company, different departments within their company may have their own little tool set that they're using, but it doesn't talk to any other tool set. And they really lose the efficiency and the productivity and even the visibility into their processes and, and their metrics when you have those silos. So we do see a very big push into these platforms that can Uh, handle a lot of different functions so that you can consolidate and also can integrate well with other platforms. Yeah.
0: Brett, I know you've come from an environment where you kind of did this, where you took a platform and then you started integrating with other technologies that couldn't be on that platform, but could be talked to from that platform and vice versa. Uh, your thoughts on shared data architectures
2: well first of all i want to recognize what you did i really like what you did right flipping this two to one it should have been number one if i look at some of the others that are coming behind it because it truly is the most important thing you're not going to have that exponential innovation without having a core place to start from it is breaking out those silos and getting the data in a centralized place for the ones that become become uh, along after this is even more important but um in, in order to really start to make change in and create automation in the company. So I'm skipping ahead enough, not the automation, but as far as data architecture, you have to get it into the same place to really build off of that. So really to me, it's building blocks. And this is the start of that. Is where is the data sitting? Can you put it into a centralized place or at least the impression of a centralized place, even if it is multiple databases, but be able to have access to them? It's extremely important.
0: And Derek, I know you've done a lot of work previous to coming to Zintegra where you were. Uh, working on a platform that brought in data or worked with other data, your thoughts on uh, shared data architectures?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really all about the you know the left hand knowing what the right hand is doing, in my opinion. Because you could you could have all your data in a platform, um, but you could still be somewhat siloed in a way if you don't put the appropriate security around it, the appropriate visibility around it to make sure that the appropriate people see what they need at the time they need it so yeah this is extremely important when it comes to kind of moving out of the whole world where everybody just carried around all their data on their laptop in excel so it was totally siloed so then you get it in the platform but then you need to make sure it's available to everybody else once it's in the platform
0: right uh one of my favorite and least favorite things to talk about is number three here automation technologies kristen i'm a huge fan of automation if we're automating things that makes sense to automate if we're just you know creating things we got to troubleshoot later I'm not such a big fan your thoughts on the automation trend they call out here
1: yeah so ai and machine learning obviously are the the hot keywords as of now for automation technologies um we'll see that particular baby mature over the next few years and and see how that flushes out in terms of usefulness. I I think we will definitely see quite a bit uh, coming from that space, but even to go just to a simpler place in terms of automation, I I do just want to hit on the importance of workflows and automated workflows, because that is kind of the backbone of everything you're doing. And to be able to automate workflows, coordinate work between individuals, um, kick off tasks and notifications. And and as Derek mentioned, you know, alert the right people at the right time, kick off the right body of work at the right time. Just getting to that place is is still a place where a lot of businesses are, are trying to get to at this point in time. So um, even something as simple as an automated workflow can can really take a lot of businesses to the next level.
0: Do yep. you yep. any uh, examples of something you guys automated in your previous role?
2: Oh, man, what do we not automate? So when you talk about event management, automation is the key to auto-remediate, uh, to, to you know, to build. So we did automation end-to-end. So whether it's building a new cloud-type stack of products or whether it was going to be to, you know, go out and look for an issue, auto-remediate the issue and come back. So, you know, driving down the types of uh raw alarms down to real incidents issues was all about automation at various levels.
0: Right. There, can you any automation stories you can recall that stand out?
3: No, I got, I got a lot, but I mean, so in in addition to automation, I think that there's something also that this brings just by the nature of what it is, and that's consistency. So you know, instead of having to onboard people and tell them they've got to do this, then five other things, and don't forget to check this box and all that, you can basically take that process and automate it. significantly reducing onboarding time as well. So, you know, the way I look at it is if, you're, if you've ever, if you're ever doing something repeatedly, then that's a candidate to be a automation of some type.
0: You yep. they definitely, definitely need to start looking into how to do that. In the old days, we wrote scripts uh, and then we put those into some kind of task scheduler. Uh, now it, it happens in a much more simple way using something like ServiceNow. Um, you know, going back to, Going back to automation and number two, right? Once you get all that data somewhere where it's either in that platform or accessible from that platform, you know, things like automation become simpler to do and you're almost um, compelled to do it versus before where you had to go pluck it out of places and then do something with it. Uh, all right. Number four is uh, new modes of work with the right tools. Uh, companies are no longer behind four walls. They're distributed, distributed workforce, distributed ecosystems. Kristen, how is this impacting us?
1: Yeah, so this is something we saw uh, quite acutely with COVID and the lockdowns. You know, we moved from uh, organizations that came into the workplace to remote organizations. So with that migration, we saw a lot of the cloud-based tool sets kind of coming up and really coming into their own. Um, That's something I think will continue as uh, we kind of struggle with the hybrid approaches to workplaces and um, again, the data sharing and, and security and, and sovereignty and regulatory issues and things like that. So um, I think this is a trend we'll definitely see continuing, but uh, something that has been uh, high on individuals' minds for the past few years, for sure.
0: Yeah, that, that becomes even more important the way we work in today. Fred, your thoughts here? Well, I guess I may
2: take this a little bit differently, but my thoughts around this is just when I think about new modes, new new the right tools or new modes of work, I think about ServiceNow too and the applications and all the development they've put into the last 10 years. And I think about a particular application and a use case, and it comes with built-in workflows and built-in structure to help someone take that next step. So I think about right tools being there. There's tools now you can just download, plug and play, and you're off to the races working. And if it's you know, trying to file some standard Um, in some standard process, even if it's um, something that has to be certified, these things can come to you out of the box these days. And I think
0: that's a a quick way to start using the tools, um, the right tools quickly. Yeah, we had a a podcast with Citrix in ServiceNow earlier this morning talking about their ITSM connector and came out as a connector and then they started adding workflows into it almost right away. Uh, That's a great example of new modes of work are requiring us to think about what we use the platform for and integrations with. Uh, Derek, to you, any uh, thoughts on how the new work modes and the tools needed uh,
3: apply? No, I mean, I agree with everything that's been said and it was really put to the test the past couple of years with COVID as was mentioned. Um, but also just, just mobile becoming more of a, of a tool of consumption and becoming a tool of creation if it's done correctly, I think is also an interesting aspect of this.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, I think we touched on this one. Any user as a developer. Let's see. Software becomes increasingly complex. Organizations need to make application development more accessible. Low code. Kristen, are you? Yeah. A, is your background as a
1: developer? It is. Yes.
0: I kind of assumed that, but so you're probably the right person to ask about this. What What does low code, no code, bring to the world that depending on full stack developers could not?
1: Mm-hmm. It It really. It really brings the tool sets and the ability to create the tool sets to the individuals who are in the trenches every day and really understand what they need. So you, end up with uh, this group that ServiceNow terms citizen developers. In fact, that's a term you'll probably hear a little more widespread, but the low-code, no-code platforms really are coming up. They're really having a heyday right now, and and I think they'll continue to, especially as some of the generative AI solutions and features allow really anybody, regardless of their background, to build out their own tool sets. So that's something I think is really going to expand over the next few years.
0: Yep. I'm, I'm going to skip Fred real quick and go straight to Derek. Derek, this makes me think podio when I see this.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like drag and drop and that type of stuff. Right. I mean, so obviously, I was a programmer for the first half of my career as well, um, writing code. And, you know, it's, it's, if you, if you enjoy it, then you enjoy it. If you don't, then it's, it's torture. And the other issue is, you have a very select group of people that can then manage environments if you've got a lot of custom code. So this, this drive of low code solutions drag and drop um, are, it's good from a sustainability perspective across the board. It's, I see it in Salesforce and, you know, ServiceNow, all these platforms have to do that. It, I think that's kind of table stakes these days. Yeah.
0: yeah it's, okay, this is going to sound really weird, but it's like a, in a time of war, you have to take every citizen and it's capable and, make them part of your army, um, that's what's going to be necessary to meet the demand of what's coming next. Yeah. And Fred, as someone who is uh, you know trying to meet the demand and getting people onboarded with certifications and knowledge, your thoughts on any user as a developer comment?
2: Well, I'll take it from two angles. Yes, running the practice and we're having those people. That's you know a guarantee. Having the knowledgeable people that's going through it's proven it time and time again to be able to solve that. But I think if I look at it from a customer's perspective in ServiceNow and using ServiceNow as a tool or choosing that, any user being a developer is exactly what I've seen in one customer so far where every BU he has, he has multiple ServiceNow, what he calls developers, but really what they were were people who understood the process and procedures that they had. And he gave them the ability to go be now a developer. Developer being that drag and drop, it's low code. They can put it in there, they can test it. They don't have to compile it, run it, make sure it all passes. It's a matter of making it easy for them to do. So when I look at it, any user being a developer, if I had to go back and do it over again, I probably would have put this more in practice of spreading it out in the different business units, and then I may have been more successful with with with, with infiltrating a lot more.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I'll say this for Kristen and for Derek and Fred. You guys are all computer science related folks uh, and developers. Eighty percent of being a developer is understanding the the the, the process, the workflow getting it documented, and then the last, I don't know, 30% or so is actually writing the code. Is that is that fair when you uh, evaluate a, a developer?
1: I think that's where we're heading. That's definitely where we're heading. I think, and that actually goes into the next bullet with the partner networks. I think partnerships are really going to become more consultative, um, more advice-driven, more uh, let's design, let's get your architecture right, let's um, design the overall solution. And as we get more and more citizen developers in the platform, it, it may be less and less actual hands-on keyboard for coding. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, the, and the title of it is uh, ex- number six, expan- Expansive Partner Networks. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't just mean partners like Zintegra. That means people who haven't to, even today even realized they're going to be part of this, they're going to show up at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fred, your thoughts on the uh, the partner need and the likelihood of it being there uh, and expanding to attack the the need? Well, I'll tell you this, in, in
2: ServiceNow, and we even have Derek here with Salesforce, and both of these platforms are so huge. They're so big across and broad, right? You have to have an extensive network of partners and people who have it, right? Some people are specialized in certain areas, and they may not be experts at all, so I think you have to leverage you know, the partner community and even solve some of the use cases customers have. So I see it being more and more important to make sure, you know, that that the customers have that um, partners that are not afraid to reach out, grab expertise in other areas. So it's, a, it's to enable that partner community.
0: How about I say like this? Companies like ServiceNow are going to have to see their partners as better partners than they currently see them. And they're also going to have to see customers as partners as well and not as customers. Absolutely. What do you think, Derek? You're coming from that side of the world within a month ago or so. You think yeah. that you think they get that yet? Who's they? Not but, all of, not all of them. Well, in but in this case, ServiceNow and your former example, Salesforce. I, I don't feel like some of them, at certain levels in the organization, realize that partners are going to have to be better partners for you, and customers are going to have to be seen as partners as well.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. But I, there's also another layer here too, in that. Like the big engine that is, you know, the service nows and the sales forces, et cetera, have to keep moving. And when we go to the top and we see that, you know, exponential innovation bullet, they're going to keep moving and that's going to leave the partners to kind of, you know, unmuddy the waters for the customers, if you will. And I think that's going to be extremely important moving forward. Hey, what's really important? Maybe what should you wait for? That type of stuff.
0: Uh, going back to my bicycle race example, there's two or three people break away, but the peloton stays together. And in the long run, it's that peloton mass that will win out, and those other will, will come back and even fade away if they're not careful. I don't know if that worked or not, but I tried. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Kristen, thanks for bringing this to us. Uh, there's, like you said, there's a ton of um, blogs on the ServiceNow site that really talk about business value, and it doesn't really get into the you know the ones and zeros that much. Well, that's on purpose because the goal here, in technology, and talking about it from our perspective, is making sure we're proving business value, not just uh, you know, not just the tech involved. So, thanks for bringing this one, and uh, uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again next time, and as well as my uh, my friends who I called knuckleheads, which was probably taken the wrong way a while ago. <laughs> All right, awesome. Thanks, everybody. All right, thank guys. Thank you, and we'll do it again next week.
1: Party. Thank you.